The first part of today's gospel is a story so familiar that at first I wondered what I could say that hadn't already been said. Most people, even non-church members, know something about the feeding of the multitude. Tours of the Holy Land almost always take pilgrims to the very spot where Jesus fed hundreds of people with a boy's lunch. The unreality of spreading so little among so many is the crux of this miraculous event. Yet in its several retellings, the details are fairly similar. A couple of buns and a few fish, probably salted for travel, are taken, blessed, then distributed. And all the people are fed, enough to be satisfied. And then the part that seems the most homely, Jesus has his disciples gather up what is left. When I was a child in the Methodist Sunday School, I wondered who would want to eat a partly eaten fish. The story of the loaves and fishes is not just about feeding people at that one outdoor sermon. It's obviously a story from which we are to learn something, something about living our own lives in the world. When we consider the peoples of the whole world, we realize that our own nations our own notions of buying, preparing, and consuming food are not those of most people on earth, now and throughout history. We're incredibly blessed. Our world offers us plenty to eat several times a day. And a great many of us, well, perhaps not in fit and hip Los Gatos, but could do well to eat less. Once Episcopalians fasted before communion, but I suspect that none of us is hungry right now, even without coffee hour. But for the people who came to hear Jesus, the world was a daily struggle. So powerful was the promise of this prophet that crowds came from miles around on foot to hear him, even though they were tired and hungry and feeling helpless. Jesus doesn't ask them if they're hungry. He knows they're hungry. And they are hungry for fish and bread, but also for the words of healing and hope that he knows, that they know he has to offer. Which hunger is greater for them, we can only surmise. But if we acknowledge our own hungers, we know that we need more than one kind of sustenance. When these people gathered, they came to learn how to hope, how to live, how to make it through every difficult day, in an oppressive world, under Roman domination, where wealth was nowhere in their grasp, and they could only hope for some shelter, some food, and finally, some words of inspiration. It's interesting, too, that this famous passage tells us absolutely nothing about what Jesus preached to these people. This gathering of people who had come to hear the prophet did not get a sermon at all, as far as we can tell. Instead, they participated in a miracle and a meal. The miracle was abundance. And we're not really told how it was achieved. The miracle was the act, the feeding, the caring, the sharing, the nurturing. No magic tricks, no flash of lightning, no admonitions, no promises, no entry fee, only the sharing of a meal and a meal not even provided by the prophet and his disciples, but by an 
anonymous boy who offered his supper to Jesus. The nurturing of our bodies and the nurturing of our souls seem parallel in this episode. We are creatures of souls and bodies, and Jesus obviously understands that both must be fed. He can tell us to love the Creator and to love each other, but if we are sick, hungry, despondent, cold, we'll find that balance unreachable. All of which should be a loud commandment for us, for us who have so many comforts of life. We are really hungry. Even if we are, we know how easily we can be fed with almost anything we crave. I'm not suggesting that you stop eating well, but that you remember that, as Gandhi said, your life is your message. And how you live in relation to all the rest of the world is of great significance. In today's gospel, just when we grasp the significance of the patient, loving image of Jesus blessing the boys' supper and distributing it among the multitude, the story shifts. Jesus needs to escape the crowd that seems ready to capture him, try to install him as king, and he knows that could end his ministry. The disciples, in fear, leave by boat without Jesus and begin to cross the Sea of Galilee to safety. When a wind rises, they're terrified that the boat will sink. But in their fear, suddenly they see Jesus walking toward them across the water, telling them not to be afraid. The power in the juxtaposition of these two episodes should not be overlooked. We swing from the story of miraculous, loving care exhibited by the feeding of the multitude to the overwhelming action seen by the disciples as Jesus walks toward them over the storm-lashed water. The power of kindness and the power of cosmic proportions is stunning, overwhelming. Who is this man? When he says, do not be afraid, we realize that the disciples may be far more afraid of the power of Jesus than they are of the storm. As Mary Oliver writes in her poem, maybe, the wind tore at the sails before he rose and talked to it, tender and luminous and demanding as he always was, a thousand times more frightening than the killer sea. So why are the scenes in today's gospel so compelling? I think it's because we are shown in close juxtaposition the complex life Jesus lived among us. He was a member of a people under the thumb of a dictatorial power, a prophet without worldly power. He was one who had to teach by using the simple happenings in this small corner of the world, out of the mainstream of commerce, without military power or money, under religious domination, a foreign language, yet he used everything available. We speak of learning by doing. Jesus taught by doing. And as we follow his rather humble acts of love and support and then suddenly witness his miraculous powers, we need to keep in our hearts the core of what he came to us for, to learn again to love God, the creative power of the universe, to love all those we meet. They're our brothers and sisters. We cannot emulate Jesus by feeding a crowd with one lunch. We cannot cross the sea by walking. We're not Jesus, man and God. But 
We can honor him by caring for those in need and by helping to calm the storms of life for the fearful and by taking Jesus aboard our lives as we cross this sea. Amen.